the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. Welcome aboard. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, now broadcasting on 106.3 FM in East Portland and Vancouver, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860, The Answer, KPAM, La Patrona, 1640, 93.1 El Rey, and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk with you about getting more people back to your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our church service live stream directory, expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, establishing yourself as an authority in your field, and becoming more known through radio and podcasting, building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location at no risk to you, marketing your message or brand directly to your target audience through the latest and most powerful online tools of Salem Surround, And most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. Between COVID and closures and shutdowns, it's been really difficult to think about all the things we've missed gathering in person for. And I can't believe it's been three years since comedian nazareth was here in the portland area but i'm so happy to announce that he's back and he's coming to sunnyside church in happy valley to make you laugh so welcome comedian nazareth how are you today brother oh i'm doing great thank you so much for having me i'm looking forward to come back to oregon and to get my coffee you guys have the best coffee in the world I'll make sure a bag of stump tan is all set for you nazareth so thank you so <laughs> very much for taking time out of your busy touring schedule to squeeze in Portland on your list. Oh, I have to stop you here. I love doing the Northwest. I love doing the West Coast because there's a lot of comedians who are clean and Christian like myself that do a lot of the Midwest and the East Coast and Nashville and all that. So I love being in the West Coast because... uh for so many years, I paid my dues flying, you know, red-eye flights to get to the show early enough or to fly back and all that. So to go to Portland and boom, get on a Alaska Airlines, an hour and a half flight, I'll do it any day. Funny, Alaska is my wife's favorite airline also. I like Alaska and Southwest. And with all the travels you've done over the years, Nazareth, we're very grateful that you're coming to Sunnyside Church in Happy Valley on Sunnyside Road. And the show starts at 7 p.m. at Sunnyside Foursquare Church, Friday, March 24th. So what in particular are you looking forward to when you come back to our neck of the woods, Nazareth? You know, COVID has changed a lot of things for us uh, as far as uh, 
the stress level in people, the hopelessness, all, you know, people are not gathering together for two years. So for me, right now, I have a whole new perspective when I do my comedies. I want to bring hope to people. I want to, I want to excite people. I want to, uh, remind them how blessed we are because we're living in a time, uh, Mike, where, you know, all you hear is the negative things about our nation, about people, about Christianity, about all of that. So for, you know, for people to come and spend an hour, hour, 15 minutes, uh, uh, just enjoying themselves, laughing, and you know, and and seeing the good in in our nation, the good in our people. So it's really good. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I want to see people laughing hard. That's that's my main goal. Well, they certainly laughed hard the last time you were in Portland, Nazareth. And for anyone who might be less familiar to comedian Nazareth, he is originally from the Holy Land. He's been honing his talents as a comedian for more than 25 years. And prior to moving to the United States to attend college at the University of Toledo, Ohio, he uprooted from Kuwait, of all places, with nothing other than a passion to make the most of the life he has been given. Comedian Nazareth's passion for comedy ignited when he asked himself one day, what do I want to do in life that if I never get paid for it, I'd still do it to the best of my ability? Making people laugh was the only thing that came to mind, and the next day, he signed up at a California comedy club for open mic night. He took the stage before a crowd of nine drunks, and Nazareth recalls them laughing so hard that one of them literally fell over in their chair. From the moment that he discovered his talent for bringing comic relief, his desire to do it for a living was without question. So please join us for a very special night of inspiring comedy with the one and only Comedian Nazareth. And if you want to check out some of his videos, go to his website, NazarethUSA.com. That's NazarethUSA.com. Make sure to follow Nazareth on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Any other things to add to that list, Nazareth? As far as where they can follow me, I know I have TikTok, but that might be gone soon. So, uh, you know, I have it because... Uh, there's a lot of young people that I want to introduce them to my comedy and most importantly that the encouraging hope in Christ. So I do jokes when people, you know, watch it on TikTok and they love it and they follow me and then boom, you know, they can get one video that tells them about the hope we have in Christ. So that's the only reason when TikTok is not, it's not in our marketing you know, plan because uh, it's Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn is where our, and YouTube is where our, you know, our fan base and our client base. So yeah, that's uh, TikTok as well, but I'm under Comedian Nazareth and all of those. And I really appreciate that people do follow. A lot of times, you know, it's funny, you go, you know, you go to a mainstream event that's, and you have about, let's say, a thousand people in the audience and you tell them to follow you and a thousand people will follow you. You do a Christian event that there's like 2,000 people in the audience and then you go home, there's 20 people that follow you because not a lot of people have, you know, they don't have their Instagram or they don't, some of them don't like to be on social media. So whenever you have social media and you want to follow us, we appreciate it because, Mike, unfortunately... It's no longer how funny you are or how good you are. We're living in a world right now. If you're, if you have so many people following you, you're an influencer and people will listen to you. 
regardless how funny you are or how good you are. Uh, have you noticed that, Mike? It's amazing how much time I could waste online, Nazareth, when it comes to <laughs> the next video or reel popping up. And these algorithms are just brilliant. They know what you're going to click on. And you know, before you do, ah, this is clickbait. This isn't going to be good. This isn't going to be entertaining. But somehow, it's addictive. Is it the dopamine in your brain that when you make the click, it makes you feel better about yourself? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and then people... It just people like you see these people. I like who's this person, and they go, "Oh, he's an influencer. He have a million followers. What does he do? Oh, they dance and they twerk and they stick their tongues out and they do crazy stuff and they they prank people." I'm like, when was that? May what when when did that happen that made people influencers by having no. You know, like I can understand if you're passionate about a certain thing, art, radio, whatever, and you're speaking on it, I'd love you. I'll follow you. But if you don't have anything to offer and now you're an influencer and people are hiring you because you're an influencer, I, I don't know. But uh, I don't know. I I think, you know, I I love social media for the fact that we are able to reach people, to encourage people, to bring laughter to people through that uh platform so to me it's good and the other day i kind of hurt my knee so i went online to see okay what can i do to help my knee and now all i'm getting is knee surgery and doctors and people all sending me stuff about knee surgery i'm like hey my knee is healed i don't need you it's downright scary and then Speaking about these influencers, probably the one who annoys me the most is a young man named Jackson Mahomes, who is the taller, younger brother of the Kansas City Chiefs NFL quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. And he just puts videos of himself out there dancing or singing or crazy things like that. And I'm thinking to myself, outside of being the little brother of Patrick Mahomes and the son of a major league baseball pitcher from the past, what has this man done? to warrant having such a following behind him. It, it's just beyond me. I know Patrick is upset too, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> you can't blame him. can't blame him. So when I think about all of the forms of media out there, I think it's like, well, I think it's like money. Mm -hmm. Okay, Money in and of itself is not evil. It's the love of money. So similarly with social media, the existence of these forms isn't necessarily evil in and of itself. It can be used for evil, like when creeps go after little children or people bully each other. Okay, But it's not the social media that's the bad thing. It's what people choose to do with it. Exactly. exactly. You can use it for good, and it's being used for good, especially for someone like me who grew up in the Middle East, uh, and I lived in Muslim countries in, uh, you know, like, for example, in Kuwait and Saudi Arabia and certain countries, there's no way you can be spreading the gospel except if it came through social media, through or through the, uh, you know, the Internet, because they could not stop it. And it just really reached so many people, and they were, and so many people came to know the Lord and found truth and found uh, so many helpful things. Just you know, being on social media. So yeah, it's just it's just a platform. It's like it's like a freeway. You can put bad cars on it. You can put good cars. You can drive the speed limit, and you can be driving so crazy and crash into people. 
it's it's not the road's fault. It's not the highway's fault. It's the people who are on that road. And same thing with the with the social media. I mean, uh, I get encouraged. I get devotions on social media. I you know I'm able to do. There's some of the you know I put some sermons out that's reaching people all over the world. Yesterday I was able to be on a on a TV show that reached a hundred million people in India and China and the Middle East. And you know. Without that technology, you could not reach them. Well, that's interesting. So tell us about this TV appearance in India, Nazareth. Were you sharing your testimony and your story, or were you strictly on to entertain and make people laugh with your comedy routines? You know, both. You start, you know, I use my comedy mic to be able to uh, lower people's uh, wall. I mean, before I became a believer in Christ in 1992, I was a comedian in the clubs, and I used comedy to get attention, to get fame, to get money. But when I had uh, an experience, I would call it an experience, I had an, uh, an interaction with the Lord Jesus in August 1992. That changed everything, and I wanted to quit comedy. And I did quit. I called my manager. I said, I'm quitting. Uh, and he got so mad. He's a Jewish manager from Hollywood, big guy. And he goes, we have NBC looking at you for a sitcom called Fish Out of Water. You're doing great. You're a new face at the improv comedy clubs, the number one clubs in the country. We have so much hope in your future. Why would you quit? Are you going with a different agency? I said, no, 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 no. I'm quitting because I can't honor God with my comedy. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, I'm a Christian now. He goes, you've always been a Christian. You know, I said, yeah, I was Greek Orthodox Christian, but I didn't go to church. I didn't know what the Bible teaches. I didn't know Jesus, but now I know him. Therefore, uh, this is why, you know, I can't honor him. And I quit. And he was so upset and all the cuss words. And and then a week later, my pastor said, hey, Nazareth, can you do a comedy show for our church? I'm like, what? We're, we're talking 1992. And he's like, uh, no. I go, no, no, you can't. You can't he didn't do comedy there. He goes, why not? I go, because you can't honor God with comedy. He goes, no, God created humor. Satan perverted it. And if you do it for his honor and his glory, you'll do great. And, I, and that's when I felt the call. I'm like, hey, I can use my comedy now to lower people's walls and guards to be able to hear the good news of Jesus after they like me and they can relate to me and they're comfortable with me. And that's exactly what I did yesterday. I started the show with comedy that kind of fits internationally. You know, like people in India or in China or people who never been to the U.S. or don't know the American culture can still laugh at it. And once they laugh with me and once they can relate to me, then I can, I shared my testimony and I gave them the invitation to come to know Christ. What a wonderful way to open up that door to people's hearts using the gift that God's given you and that you've honed over the years in your comedy, Comedian Nazareth. Just an amazing story. Thank you so much. It's just, you know, we, we need it. We need it now more than people are hopeless. People have no hope. And to be able to bring them that hope in Christ, uh, even though some people are rejecting it without even knowing it, they're, uh, they're considering it like it's not valid anymore. It doesn't apply to us, but it does because where, where else can you get hope nowadays? There's no other hope except in in the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. Great wisdom and experience coming from Comedian Nazareth. 
Make sure that you come out to see Comedian Nazareth Friday night starting at 7 p.m. on March 24th. It'll be at Sunnyside Church on Sunnyside Road in Happy Valley. And all the details are at the website, kpdq.com. And make sure to follow Nazareth on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, little TikTok, and his website, NazarethUSA.com. That's NazarethUSA.com. Don't miss Nazareth at Sunnyside Church Friday night, March 24th. More with Nazareth next on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. I'm Mike Lee here with a dear friend. His name is Comedian Nazareth, and he's coming to Sunnyside Church in Happy Valley, 7 p.m. Friday, March 24th. Laugh with some great comedy from Comedian Nazareth, and all the details are at our website, kpdq.com, truetalk100.com, and thefishportland.com. And do make sure that you follow Comedian Nazareth. On TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and his very own website, NazarethUSA.com. So, Nazareth, I want to get back to your story. You've got an NBC TV pilot waiting for you. They've named it Fish Out of Water. And then in August of 1992, how did you come to know Jesus, and how did this turn your world around? You know, uh, I was... uh I was doing comedy in the clubs and things were doing great and I was just getting fast. Uh, things were developing fast. Uh, I became, you know, a new face at the Improv Comedy Club, which is where, you know, that's the top club in the country where I can go anytime and perform. Um, doing, you know, having a manager, just going to Vegas, doing the Aladdin back then, the Aladdin in Vegas and, and doing events. So everything was, was doing great. And, uh, you know, the drugs were good. The alcohol was good. The, the lifestyle was good in Hollywood and all that. But, uh, there was an emptiness inside of me that I didn't know why. I'm like, why is this happening? I'm, I'm really getting everything I wanted, but, uh, uh, somehow I wasn't satisfied. I wasn't happy. So a friend of mine, a comedian, invited me to church. And when I went to church, I thought God is mad at me. He hates me. Uh, but, you know, God is different than what I thought he is. Because I grew up in, you know, I was born in the Holy Land. I grew up in Kuwait. I've always knew there's a God and there, he's a holy God. He's a righteous God. And, and what I'm doing and what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking is does not, you know, uh, please him. Because I knew he can see my heart and he knows that. I knew that much. And so, but I didn't know how to be saved. I knew that maybe if I do good works, but I know deep inside I couldn't do any good works. So I was, it's a losing battle. So when I went to church that day and I heard the path and, and, and my friend was apologetic. He's like, uh, Nazareth, uh, I'm sorry. I don't know if I don't want to offend you, but would you like to go to church for, with me? Like, dude, I was born in Nazareth. We gave you Jesus. You know what I mean? What did other cultures give you? What did the French give you? The Statue of Liberty. What did the Italians give you? Pizza. What did the Chinese give you? Walmart. We gave you Jesus. So I'm not offended. I will go to church. Because I always know, hey, I'm a Christian. So I went to church and I found out that God said, just come as you are. You know, it's not by good works. It's not by your works. It's by grace through faith. You you are saved by the work that Jesus did on the cross for me. So I just, boom, I got excited. 
I went forward crying, gave my life to Christ, and that's when everything changed for me. And uh, it's the greatest event that ever happened to me. And I've been using the last 20 some years, I've been using my comedy that hopefully one person would get that, that experience or that interaction with the Lord. What I find interesting about you, Nazareth, is you were rolling in the comedy scene, and then when God seized your heart, you wanted to turn your back on your talent and your experience altogether until your pastor asked you to do a comedy show at the church. So how were you able to navigate through the success you had in comedy before and after Jesus stole your heart? You know, that's a great question, Mike. Uh, you know, when before turning my life to Christ and know, and thinking I'm going to do comedy now that is clean, that's family, you know, encouraging to families that are going to be doing youth events and all that. I, you, you know, you, as a comedian, you're always, you know, when people see you do a special, like I did an HBO special a long time ago, and people think that, you know, this is, you do this every night. No, you always start building new material. And the way you build new material is you go to what we call open mic nights or one-nighters, comedy clubs, that you can go there and try new material and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. You keep the stuff that works, you throw away the stuff that doesn't. And that's how you build your act. Well, when I came to Christ, I'm like, I can't go to bars anymore. I can't do material where, you know, where there's drunk people. I can't go to all nighters because the material that I want to build right now is, is going to be clean. And, uh, you know, and it's so hard to be clean following two or three comedians who were just saying the most disgusting or the most sexual things, you know, where they kind of polluted the water, the audience. So I started going to prisons. <laughs> Somehow the door opened with Chuck Colson Ministry. and said, hey, you want to go to prison and share your testimony? I'm like, wait a minute. If I can make those inmates laugh, then the material is good because they don't have to laugh. And I started going to prisons and been to over 200 some prisons with the prison fellowship ministry. So that's what I worked on my act. And then I started doing junior high and high school. And those are harder audience to please. So my act became stronger that way. So when I went back and I'm doing the churches or doing the conferences and doing the big events, and now finally on TV, do I have like three or four specials on Pure Flix. So when you start, you know, you build your material on those hard places. So the difference became is... When I first came to Christ, my mind was still dirty, if you know what I mean, because my language, the people I hanged around, the stuff I watched, the stuff I thought about was not honoring to God. So the first year coming back as a Christian, I had to be very careful in the way when I talked to the audience or trying to ad-lib, I had to be very careful. But then in that year, that first year, I devoured the Word of God. I started reading every day. I hanged around Christians. I stopped watching things that's not honoring God. So all of a sudden, my material now became clean material. Because I'm right. Comedians write what they experience. And that's why a lot of times comedians, if you notice, uh, or you don't notice that, is we always like to have new experiences, go somewhere. Hey, let me try, you know, this experience. Let me travel to this place so I can develop new material. So that's the hardest year was the first year for me in the Christian market. Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't say Christian market because I still did corporation, I still do corporation, I still do clubs, some 
times, once in a while, but that's what happened. So that's a great question, Mike. Your story reminds me of a lot of musicians who come to know the Lord while they've already made a dent in the mainstream music scene. I mean, we receive Jesus into our hearts. We receive the Holy Spirit, and we are justified, we are crucified with Christ. But the sanctification, the growth, the change of our hearts, we ought to be going through the rest of our life on this earth. So it took a little while for you, once you came to know the Lord, to adjust what you thought was funny and what you were going to create in your comedy shows. But indeed, with the help of speaking in prisons and in front of schools, if anything, I feel like it stretched you and made you better at your craft than prior to knowing the Lord when you were just making people laugh with more controversial or crass subject matter. Does that sound about right? Yes, you're right. And it's always harder to write clean materials, always harder. Because, you know, it's so easy to, sometimes you watch comics, you know, they have they do jokes and they're not well written, but they say the F word after that and people laugh out of shock. Or they try to go into, you know, push the envelope to where their material is dirty and it's not something people normally used to hear from in public. So they laugh at that. But that's that's not well written. You you want to look at great comedians. I mean, look at Seinfeld. Look at the unfortunately, you know, Cosby and and the other comics who are working clean. You know, they're funnier. Why? Because you work harder on the joke. And some comics are very clear, very good, but they end up throwing these you know f bombs and stuff. I'm like, there's no reason for that. You don't have to do that. So it's a lot harder to work clean than to work, not, you know, dirty. So are there any current comedians that you really admire their material? Who stands out in your mind, Nazareth? You know, there's a guy right now who still is called Tom Papa. Tom Papa, he's a friend of uh, Jerry Seinfeld. He used to have a show, uh, you know, a, a, a sitcom for a year or so. He has several specials. Really appreciate him because he's clean. Uh What's his name? Uh, oh, there's a guy that I loved so much. He, had, he he committed suicide about seven years ago. Very funny comedian. Uh, some people uh, would not know him. His name is Richard Jenny. And he used to do the... And there was a special called Good Catholic Boy and Pilatus Man. He had a sitcom on TV. He never was huge, but his comedy was amazing. It wasn't always very clean, but he, he just 90% of it was clean. So really, I was impressed by his, you know, Tom Papa is very clean. Seinfeld, I mean, I love Seinfeld. Seinfeld has so big of an ego. It's so difficult for me to <laughs> to continue to watch him. But, uh, you know, and Cosby, as much as we hate what he did as a, as a person, his, his comedy. Richard Pryor was amazing, but Richard Pryor was dirty, but Richard Pryor changed the whole culture of comedy. So, yeah, those are people I kind of... I, I don't want to hear some bad comedy so I because I don't want to ruin my my brain or my thoughts, so I, I'm very careful about who I listen to. Well, I think that's a wise thing, Nazareth, when you talk about comedy or music, books you read, videos we watch. I mean, the Bible talks about garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. And I don't think we should be so extreme as to be legalistic, because I think that builds up our pride to the point where we think we're better than everyone else because we are withholding this from our lives, and it's not true. So in your case, I love your story and the fact that when God 
seized your heart. You completely changed your game, and yet he rewarded you back with being able to do what you love, which in this case is entertain people. So do you have any great stories from the many travels you've had with your shows all over the globe? Do any fans stand out in your mind who may have come up to you after a comedy show? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, it just And that's what keeps you going. That's what makes you go, wow, whatever I do, my, my reward, my pay for that is a lot higher than I could have ever done in the mainstream media. One example, one time Jay Leno was saying, he said, I'm finally in a place where my comedy or what I say, I can influence people. And I'm going, wait a minute. Every Christian comedian out there, every night you're influencing people if you're sharing the good news and all that. But one of the big, the thing that stick with me is a few years ago, many years ago, this lady came to me and she goes, Nazareth, uh, you know, she's older in her 80s. She goes, I've had cancer for five years, been going through chemo for five years. She goes, in the last two hours, while I was listening to you, I forgot about my cancer for the first time. I was like, wow. It just really amazed me that, that that's, that's a healing part of comedy. But then a few years later, I think a few years ago, this lady comes to me, she goes, I heard you. I go, where? She goes, I was taking my chemo in Orange County, and they play your videos. They play your comedy at the chemo, and you know, uh, where people take chemotherapy. And she said, they're sitting there for a few hours taking chemo and they're laughing at you. I was like, that is the greatest thing you could tell me. <laughs> I mean, to know, I'm, and maybe they still do that now. I didn't check with the centers, but there's few centers that play my comedy during the chemo, which is because it's clean, it's not offensive. So they like that. So that, to me, that's the greatest reward uh, you know, to get young people 14, 13, they go, you're the funniest guy in the world. I, I listen to, I love what you do, which means they listen to what God has done in my life and how this is available to them, that they can, they can. You know, one of the things that uh, Mike uh, really helped me when I first started, it, it was God's uh, deciding on the trajectory of my career is I did a lot of youth events. And when I went to these youth events, I went with this uh, testimony. I said, hey, listen, I just left Hollywood. I just left, you know, a sitcom on the table at the biggest network. I left all that. I left the cocaine. I left the alcohol. I left the gears that come to you after the show. I was like, hey, you want to go have a party? I left all that. And guess what? Because it didn't satisfy me. It didn't bring me joy. It didn't bring me happiness. And when I gave my life to Christ... It changed everything. I'm, I'm so, I have joy inside of my heart right now. I said, I have joy. I have fe feeling of satisfaction. The creator of this universe loves me. And there's nothing can separate me. Neither thing on earth, neither in heaven, nor angels, nor nothing can separate me from that love. And I said, listen, if you listen to my testimony, young people, you're saving yourself 20 years of trouble, of, of problems, of... Uh, thoughts that stick with you the rest of your life, you're saving yourself so much by just doing that. So to me, that was so satisfying. He has the heart of a pastor in the body of an extremely funny comedian, so don't miss Comedian Nazareth. 7 p.m. Friday, March 24th at Sunnyside Church in Happy Valley. All the details are at kpdq.com. 
More with Comedian Nazareth next on Difference Makers. listening to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and we're all very excited about the return of Comedian Nazareth. It's a Friday night show, March 24th, beginning at 7 p.m. at Sunnyside Church on Sunnyside Road in Happy Valley. That's right nearby Elkabee's and Happy Valley Station food carts and across the street from the biggest cross I've seen on Sunnyside Road, which is a different church. So Sunnyside Church, 13, 231 Southeast Sunnyside Road, Happy Valley, Oregon, for Comedian Nazareth, Friday night, March 24th. Very excited you're coming back, Nazareth. So I want you to be able to send a shout-out to your mentors, family members, loved ones. Who do you want to say hi to? Wow. uh, I have a lot of fans that I developed uh, during COVID uh, in the Seattle, in the Oregon, Portland area, and... uh, so many friends I have and fan base in Bend and in Salem and in uh, Portland. And so because when COVID happens in March, I think 18th, everything stopped. And I was, uh, you can't go anywhere. There's a quarantine. And I said, wait a minute, what, what, what can I do? I mean, I'm, I'm sitting home. All my shows are canceled. What should I do? I said, listen, I have Wi-Fi. And I, you know, I can encourage people. I can make people laugh. So I started a show called Live with Naz. So every night I went on Facebook. I said, hey, guys, we're going to laugh for a few hours. And we started the first week. It was two hours, three hours. And then we said, it's too much. I can't, you know, I, I don't have enough material to do two, three hours a day, for seven days a week. So I started saying, okay. I uh, started asking the audience, hey, is there any question? I'm going to ask you a funny question, and you guys give me uh, a funny answer to it. So we're all forget about the COVID and the quarantine and start thinking funny for an hour. I started asking questions like, hey, give me the worst name for a plumbing business. And people, just not comedians, lay people, normal, they come up with like uh, Farrah Fawcett, the number one and the number two business, stuff like that. And it's just, they're laughing and I'm laughing. And and before you know it, we developed a community of people like to this day, even though I don't do the show as, as every day or every week now, but a group of people called the Live with Naz family. And these people are friends now and they're connected all over the world. And some of them, there's a, there's a young lady with six kids that she's at, she actually drives a dump truck. She's in, uh, she lives in Portland, and she is a single mom with six kids that drives a dump truck. And just to talk to her, she, she comes at the end of the day, puts the kids to sleep, and she laughs for an hour with us. And sometimes her kids are up, and they throw some funny answers to, to the questions I ask. And it just, we developed this fan. So I want to send a hello to them. You know, to my fans from the Live with Nance family to be able to, you know, some of them are coming to the show already. So it would be great to see them there. Well, I hope they have a great time, Nazareth. So by all means, boast on your wife and kids. Yes, I love my kids. Uh, They're growing. Uh, My kids, uh, let me boast about them. I I love them. uh, This is what happened. (laughs) Our family is, we call them a... 
you know, we're kind of like a procrastinators, Mike. I don't know about your family, but it's just like we, we get excited about stuff, but we end up changing our mind. Like, for example, uh, you know, I, I said, uh, hey, kids, next Saturday, we're going to go to the beach. OK, we're going to the beach. They go, yeah, dad. It's been a while. We're going to go to the beach and we get excited. We're going to go to the beach. I go, okay, I'm going to get up early and go to the beach. They go, yes. So Saturday morning, I get up like, hey, kids, do you really want to go to the beach? It's kind of foggy. They go, yeah, we'll go next week. The beach is not going anywhere. We'll go next week, Dad. Don't worry about it. Okay, I go, okay, we'll make lunch together as a family. We'll be together in the kitchen, make some lunch today and call it a day. Yeah, Dad, lunchtime. Hey, kids, do you really want to do lunch? Oh, Dad, let's just order pizza. We'll make lunch next time. Okay. And this is what I had. This is the story of our life. And this is my biggest fear because my fear is like many, many years from now, hopefully, they get, I'm gonna, they're going to say this conversation like, Hey, the kids. Hey, guys, we need to bury Dad. He's been in the freezer for too long. Uh, yeah, yeah, this Saturday. We'll bury him this Saturday. <laughs> and then Saturday comes, they go, Hey guys, you want to bury that today? Nah, he's not going anywhere. We'll bury him next week. Maybe we should cremate him because he's always saying, you know, you want Jesus to tell him, well done, good and faithful servant. So maybe we'll just cremate that. So that's my biggest fear for my kids. But uh, they're wonderful. My son is a graduate from Biola Film School. He is a TikTok director now. He flies all over the world, Morocco, Egypt, uh, He's, uh, he was just in Colorado, goes to Nashville. He just videos, 30-second videos, and they pay him a lot for it. So my daughter is finishing her three months left to, to graduate from UCLA, and she wants to take a gap year, which is we never heard of when we were their age, a gap year where they do nothing, and then she's going to law school. Uh, she's my pride and joy because she teaches a Bible study at UCLA. You know, like in her apartment, and she has 16 students that attend every week. So I'm so proud of her. And then my youngest vulture in the nest still is 15 years old, and she's a beautiful, smart little one that goes to a Christian school here in Southern California. So I'm so blessed. My wife, I love her more today than when I met her 26 and a half years she is amazing. Tomorrow she teaches a Bible study for women at my... There's probably 20 ladies in come to my house and she teaches, so I have to leave the house. And she goes, I want you out of the house tomorrow. I go, I know, because Timothy will never teach when Paul's still there. <laughs> and that's when she throws stuff at me. So where did you meet your wife in the first place, Nazareth? Oh, that's a story. That's a funny story. We, you know, I told you guys when I when I came to Christ, everything changed. I, I made a commitment with the Lord that I will not watch pornography. I will not date. I will not touch a woman. I will not be alone with a woman. I just completely, my whole mind shifted. I mean, just the cleansing of the mind. And uh, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, uh, I'm going to go about your business and if you have a wife for me, you bring her to me. I promise you I will not do any of that, but I want a beautiful wife with a rich father that knows the entire Bible. That was my commitment. <laughs> and I waited. And, you know, uh, you know, when you pray and nothing happens, you start compromising. I said, okay, Lord, she doesn't have to have a rich father, beautiful, and the New Testament is fine with me. Another year, I'm losing hair. I'm like, okay, Lord, she doesn't have to be beautiful, just okay. And the book of John is fine with me. 
Another year, I'm gaining weight. I'm like, Lord, John 3.16, bring her over. I'll witness to her. And I was waiting three years into it. Still, the prayer's not answered. I'm like, okay, maybe. I know God wants me married. I, I had that feeling and I had that desire. So one day, my dad was dying in, at the hospital here in California. And he said, would you go to Israel for me, son? Because I have uh, a house there I want you to put in your name and your brother's name and your mom's name but it's in the gaza strip i said ah, i didn't want to go but it's my dad so when he passed away i flew into tel aviv i drove to the gaza strip the muslim part of israel and that day uh my cousin was waiting for me he's from baltimore he's an atheist i love him to death and he he was there to get married and he invited me with his fiance and her sisters to go have dinner so we're sitting at dinner, and he looks at me. He goes, you look happy. What's wrong with you, Nazareth? You're in the Gaza Strip. Why are you that happy? And that's the trigger word for an evangelist like me, <laughs> a comedian who's an evangelist. Like, that's that's the trigger word. So I said, you know what? Jesus changed my life. He gave me a reason to live. He gave me hope. I used to be like an old car that keeps breaking down. Now that I'm a Christian, I'm that same old car, but I'm married to a mechanic, and I have AAA. And he got mad. He goes, Gareth, don't listen to him. He's a born-again Christian. And her sister, Mike, she said, me too. And I look at her and I go, would you like to marry me? She goes, I've been praying for a believer for three years to come to this side of the world. Let me pray and fast for three days. I'll get back to you. Three days later, she came back. She goes, I'm starving. Let's do it. And that's, we got engaged five days from there. And then a year later, I went back to the Gaza Strip. We got married and we've been married 26 and a half years. God's story. God answers prayers if you are willing to do it His way, to wait for Him. What a great story, Nazareth. I'm so happy for your wife and you and your kids and how much they're doing to impact the world. And the fact that you're returning to the Portland area, 7 p.m. Friday night, March 24th, for our clean comedy night at Sunnyside Church in Happy Valley. So can you tell us who exactly are you targeting with your audience? You had amazing success in the secular world before you came to know Jesus. And then you've had other audiences from prisons to schools. So who do you love sharing your comedy with most nowadays? You know, I want want the people who appreciate clean comedy who are sick and tired or don't want to go hear bad comedy. They want to hear filthy comedy. They want to laugh, but also... People who have a desire to see their loved ones and neighbors and, and people, co-workers come to know Christ. So they invite them to the, to my event. Cause, uh, when I can at the end of my event, when it's allowed, I share the good news of Jesus. I share what God has done in my life. So it's an opportunity. It's a good opportunity because people normally wouldn't go to church with you. Like, Hey, you want to come to a church service with me? They go, nah. But if you tell them, Hey, you want to come to a comedy night? They will. And they laugh with me for an hour before I even say anything. And they feel connected. And then when I share about the gospel, their walls are down and the Holy Spirit takes over. So that's, uh, I want people, you know, ages anywhere. You know, if you're 10-year-olds, if they're not sitting together with their other kids, they, they can listen and their attention span increases when they're sitting with their family. To people who are 90 or 95, I had an audience member who's 101, and they laugh and they love it. So, yeah, that's my audience. Oh, I love it, Nazareth. And we're so excited that you're coming back to town. So anything interesting happened to you recently throughout your travels? 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, watch out what you pray for. Because uh, one time I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, uh, how good of a Christian am I? Don't ever do that. Because God will prank you. Uh, a few years ago, I, I, I prayed that. I'm like, Lord, how good? Am I good? Am I good at reaching people for you? Am I good at sharing you? And the next day I was in Houston at a huge church and they were doing the, the passion play from the birth of Christ till his resurrection. So, uh, you know, I did my comedy. I finished. I'm backstage and there's 400 actors and Jesus, the actor, came backstage. He was six foot four, long brown hair, looks like the guy from The Chosen, you know, just beautiful looking man. And I looked at him and was like, wow, uh, <laughs> this is this is what Jesus should look like. And I, I looked at him and I said, hey, can I touch the hem of your garment? You know, I'm trying, you know, to be funny theologically. And he goes, you weirdo, what do you want? I go, that's not how Jesus talks. I'm like, yeah, Jesus doesn't say weirdo. So I said, so, uh, do you attend this church? I go, what's your name? He goes, I'm Jesus. Now, I've done acting before. I've been on commercials, shows, films. So I knew that when you want to stay in character, you want to stay in character. I said, okay, so Jesus, where do you go to church? He goes, I don't go to church. I'm not a Christian. That's when the evangelist in me kicked in. So I started witnessing to Jesus. <laughs> and he got nervous. He goes, oh, oh, I got to go get resurrected. I'm like, no, 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 you can't. Read the book, read the book. You can't do it. So I didn't think about it till the next week I was doing a, a missions conference and I was sitting with all these missionaries and one guy, they're, they're the humblest people in the world. But there was this missionary that was proud. He's like, man, Nazareth, I got to witness to the Prince of Denmark. I'm like, I witnessed to Jesus. And that was like God's answer. I'm like, okay, God, so you think I'm doing well if I get to witness to Jesus himself. So that's a funny story. You know, traveling is, traveling after COVID became fun because we used to take it for granted and complain and say, ah, I got to fly. Like I'm flying to Florida and I have a show in Port Charlotte on Friday. And then the next morning, early in the morning, I'm going to drive three hours back to Tampa, fly out at five, six in the morning to Washington, to Seattle. I have a men's conference that I have to be on stage at 3 p.m. And then I finish that. Then the next day I'm teaching at that church. So, and then I come back and then uh, I, after that, I go to St. Peter's, uh, Missouri doing three days. So I used to complain. I used to go, ah, but after COVID for two years, we sat home going, are we really going to work again? Are we really, is this it? Are we done with doing live events? But when God brought it back, I'm so thankful. So I'm the happiest guy on the plane. And your joy and your happiness are just infectious. So thank you so much for coming back to our neck of the woods. Started at 7 p.m. Friday, March 24th. Don't miss Comedian Nazareth appearing at Sunnyside Church on Sunnyside Road in Happy Valley. All the details on the ticket sales are at kpdq.com, truetalk800.com, and thefishportland.com. And make sure to follow Comedian Nazareth on YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you'll find amazing videos of his comedy at NazarethUSA.com. That's NazarethUSA.com. Looking forward to seeing you, Nazareth. Thank you. And I want the listeners to know 
This is a great opportunity to invite your loved ones, the people that don't know Christ, people you always wanted to invite to church and you couldn't. This is your chance to bring them. So please, buy them a ticket. It's a great investment and say, hey, I paid this ticket for you so you can come with me and enjoy some laughter. And for people who are hurting, people who are upset, depressed, anxiety, if you have a teenager who's having anxiety or that, just bring them. Let them laugh. They will laugh. Trust me, I've seen so many youth in my event. They're laughing hard. So bring them, let them for two hours forget about their whatever negativity out there and let them laugh. And then they hear the good news of Christ. So that's what I want to encourage the listeners to do. Tickets will be available at the Door to Seat Comedian Nazareth, 7 p.m. Friday, March 24th at Sunnyside Church in Happy Valley. Thank you so much, Comedian Nazareth. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.